Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Kelly here at Ebenezer Baptist Church. We're glad that you've joined us this morning for our online service. A few weeks ago, we started our sermon series on 1 Peter. Peter wrote this letter to believers who were living across Asia during a time when Christians were actually despised and even persecuted across much of the Roman Empire. As you can well imagine, followers of Jesus struggled under this persecution. Many wrestled with being treated as outcasts and strangers as they tried to come to grips with their suffering. Peter wrote this letter to encourage the believers and give them practical understanding and direction regarding how followers of Christ could withstand uh, the persecution that many of them faced and even be a positive influence for the gospel in the midst of the non-believing hostile culture that they lived in. Now, in our North American setting, we don't encounter persecution anything like the believers of Peter's time, but it does seem that there's a growing distaste for those of us who name Christ and attempt to follow the teachings of Scripture. So if you're feeling the pressure, because you love Jesus, the wisdom and godly counsel of Peter's letter has much for us, even in our day and age today. Now, before we dig into our passage, I want to remind us of a few key thoughts in Peter's letters so far. In a time when believers were struggling with who they are and feeling displaced and disconnected, Peter reminds them that their identity is based, is based upon Jesus, the living cornerstone chosen by God. And those who follow Jesus are now also living stones. They have become the living church through the work of Jesus, striving to live in a way that aligns and reflects Christ through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And then with this as the foundation, Peter challenges the believers to live in a holy manner that embodies the character of Christ. And this call to be holy bleeds over into everything, especially their relationships. And so because of this, Peter instructs the believers regarding how they should relate to those who are in authority, to kings and governors and to masters, but he doesn't leave it there. He actually takes it way down to a very personal level and he gives directions as far as how wives and husbands ought to relate. Today we'll pick up Peter's letter in chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. So Peter's been talking about very specific relationships earlier on, but here he starts to wrap up this discussion of relationships by giving general direction regarding relationships to everyone. And this is the first point that I see here today. Peter's giving general principles that should guide all believers in their relationships, and these are actually as well a response to suffering. And so these are kind of packaged together. He says, finally, all of you, All of you who love Jesus, all of you who follow him, all of you, sit up and take note here because this is how we're supposed to treat one another. The first principle that Peter mentions is to be like-minded. Some Bible translations use the phrase, live in harmony. Like-mindedness doesn't mean that we all think the same way and have the same perspective on every topic. Living in harmony or being like-minded is not about being clones. Like-mindedness comes as the result of common faith in Jesus and a shared desire to live for him by the empowerment of the same Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 puts it this way, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Like-mindedness is also about having the same mindset when it comes to those things that are the most important. It's about agreeing on the essentials, our view of God, our need of a Savior, our view of truth. Romans says, live in harmony with one another. Now, when I hear the word harmony, I think of an orchestra. My youngest son used to play in, a, in, a, in, a, in an orchestra. And when I watched that, I noticed how many different musicians that there are. They're all playing different instruments, and even among them, they're playing different parts. Some are playing harmony, some are playing melody, but all are playing the same song, and they're all following the lead of the same conductor. And this is how it should be in the church. We all have different places in life, different gifts, different ministries, but we all embrace the same gospel, trust the same Savior, and follow His leadership through His Word and through His Spirit. And when we do this, we experience harmony or like-mindedness. Perhaps the great theologian Augustine said it best as we sum up this, this first principle that Peter's giving us. On essentials, unity. On non-essentials, liberty. On all things, charity. The next thing Peter calls the believers to is to be sympathetic. Now, the original word rendered sympathetic in the New American Standard Version as well as the NIV, the New International Version, is made up of the root word suffer and the prefix with. So the meaning of the word originally was to suffer with. So this is a call to keep in mind the suffering of the saints. It's about feeling what others are feeling and then responding out of deep affection for them. Peter's challenge to his readers is actually similar to what Paul calls the Roman church to. Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. This is a call to keep in mind the suffering of the saints. Now, this challenge would have been especially meaningful considering that so many of those who received Peter's letter would have been suffering under persecution. And so this is a challenge to keep those brothers and sisters in Christ in mind. The next attitude that Peter challenges readers with is to, is to, to love one another. Now, many of us are probably familiar with Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We've heard that, that title before. We might know about this American city because of the professional sports teams that are, loaded, that are located there. If you're a hockey guy, Philadelphia Flyers. If you're an NBA person, the 76ers are, are in Philadelphia. Now, I'm not sure how this actually applies to a city of over 1.5 million, but obviously the city was named when it was much smaller, but it's also known as the city of brotherly love. And that's what Philadelphia actually means. It's originally a Greek word, and it's the word that Peter uses at this point in his letter. It means to love as brothers, to love each other as family members love each other. Peter's challenge to love this way is, it echoes the words of Jesus found in John 13. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So how does family love? Well, family never quits on each other. There might be inconvenience, there might even be misunderstandings, but family is there for one another regardless of the circumstance and regardless of the cost. So this was Peter's challenge for the believers at this point in time, many of whom needed encouragement and support in the midst of their circumstance. And then Peter goes on to call his readers to be compassionate. Another word used here is kind-hearted. Kind-hearted, as it was originally intended, was actually a reference to the belly, to the inner organs, to the bowels. Now, this seems kind of strange to us now, but this is a picture of the depth of love believers were to have for each other. 
Followers of Jesus were to love one another from deep within themselves. It's a response that comes like from the gut level because of the deep concern that, uh, that they have for one another as believers. And then finally in verse 8, Peter calls his readers to be humble. Humility does not mean that we downplay every aspect of ourselves. True humility means that we recognize our personal limitations as well as our strength, acknowledging that all of it comes from God. Having this perspective enables us to look to the needs of others rather than our own. Philippians 2 reads this way, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So at this point, Peter has called every believer to exhibit these important traits in their relationships. They were to be like-minded, they were to be sympathetic, to love his brothers, to be compassionate, and to be humble. Now in verse 9, Peter continues his challenge regarding relationships, but this starts to broaden out a little bit more. He starts to include as well how we ought to respond in suffering. And I'll read verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. And here Peter is calling believers to, to repay evil with blessing. That's pretty straightforward from the verse here. Blessing instead of cursing is a consistent message throughout Scripture, especially among those who love the Lord. Leviticus 19 says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, if you're a hockey fan, you probably already know about the fights that broke out within the first minute of the game between the Rangers and the Capitals last Wednesday night. Three fights within the first minute. The puck had hardly dropped. They hadn't even really played yet. So what's going on? What's the deal? If you follow hockey, you know that two days before this Wednesday night when all the fights broke out, the Capitals' Tom Wilson injured two Ranger players. And I didn't see the calls, but I understand they're a bit sketchy. And so what happened Wednesday were revenge fights for what took place on Monday. Our natural response when someone hurts us is to hurt them back. But the thing is, anyone can retaliate. Retaliation doesn't take anything special. And in all honesty, when you think about it, the same is true of treating other people well. If someone treats you well, it's easy to treat them well in return. I think most people are capable of that. But the greatest challenge to our love for others comes when we're wronged. To return a blessing when we're hurt, that requires deep character and special strength. This type of character is not something that we can form within ourselves. This type of character, the character that repays evil with blessing, is only something that God can accomplish within us. So when believers return good for evil, it's evidence of the character of God that's being built within them. Now this ability to return good for evil is what those who follow Jesus are called to. And that's the language that Peter uses here. To this you were called. And right here, this very phrase, verse 9, actually sounds a lot like verse 21 from the previous chapter, verse 2. And I'll read this. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. We're called to follow the example of Christ when it comes to responding to insult and injury. We're called to do it, taking strength from the example of Jesus who endured hardship for us, and we're called to do it taking strength from the power of the Holy Spirit who is forming godly character within us. So returning good when insulted and injured, this is worthy of regard in the eyes of God. It's worthy of, of reward rather in the eyes of God because this response, this is a reflection of the character of God in the example of Christ. 
This is what Jesus says in Luke 6.35. Love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And now I want to just shift gears to the last section from our passage here today, uh, verses 10 through 12. And it's, it's a little bit different. Uh, I'll read through it first and then we'll unpack it. Verse 10, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, this section of Peter's letter is actually almost an exact quote from Psalm 34. And so digging into Psalm 34, as we understand that, will help us understand what Peter's getting at here. So back to what Psalm 34 is about. This was written by David while he was trying to escape the clutches of King Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel, but he had disobeyed God, resulting in God declaring that the throne would be taken from Saul and given to someone else. Now, while Saul was, in still, was still in power, David had been anointed to become the next king. Now, obviously, this upset Paul or Saul, and he went on a rampage to, to take David out, to get rid of him, to, to take out the competition. Psalm 34 was written shortly after David returned from Gath. Whereas he was trying to escape from Saul, he went to Gath and he volunteered his military services to a foreign king, King Achish. But when the servants of Achish reminded him of David's military strength and how he had served Israel, David was then viewed as a threat to Gath instead of an asset. When David learned about this, he became afraid of King Achish and he saved himself, get this, by acting like he was insane. Crazy story. But what's going on here is Peter is using Psalm 34 and the example of David to support his message to the believers who were scattered and suffering. In many ways, their experience mirrored David's experience. David ran while Saul pursued him, even to foreign lands. David understood what it was like to live as an alien and a stranger. He knew what it was like to suffer undeservedly. He understood what it was like to have his life threatened despite being innocent. David knew what it was like to have the <clears throat> promises of God for the future and yet live day by day in a world that was hostile, where the blessings of God seemed distant and almost impossible to take hold of. Despite all of what was unfair in his circumstance, David chose to trust God. And he worked to honor Saul and respect Saul as God's anointed king until it was God who removed Saul from leadership. <clears throat> Excuse me. Despite all the negative that David could have said, I mean, he could have thrown Saul under the bus. He chose not to do that. He chose to keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. And this is the behavior that Peter was calling his readers to when they encountered abuse. And literally, when you read into this passage, this is, this is about being baited into an argument. And Peter is calling them to keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. Now, we know from David's story as well that he had several opportunities to actually kill Saul. I mean, Saul was right there, like literally lying at his feet asleep. But David did not take matters into his own hands. He chose again to trust God. And here Peter is calling the believers to model themselves after David. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. 
So as we follow the example of David, we see that he trusted God to work things according to his will. David knew that God saw all of what was happening to him at the hands of Saul, and he had faith that God would deal with the situation according to his righteousness and according to his divine plan. Verse 12 reads this way, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So David's example revealed that God was aware of David's plight, that God was present, that he was listening, and that he was actively working out his perfect will for David and for the nation in the midst of David's adversity. And so again, Peter is reminding those who have read this letter through the example of David that God was aware of their situation as well, that he was listening and that he was at work and that those who were suffering needed to place their trust in God, in the Lord, and leave it to him just as David did. And that's the point that comes out of this last three verses here. The believers were called to place their trust in God just as David did. Excuse me. And now, to tie all of this together, we need to understand that the relationship instructions that Peter gave the believers weren't just an end unto themselves. This way of relating to others had tangible benefits as well. And that's what verse 10 is about. For whoever would love life and see good days. Verse 10 here is speaking about the benefits experienced by those who live according to these relationship principles that Peter's laid out. They would love life and see and see good days. Now, this love of life doesn't come from having an abundance of possessions. It doesn't come from having the freedom to do whatever you want, to, to retire super early and just take trips around the world or whatever it is that you know that you kind of have in mind as these kind of goals for yourself. This type of life doesn't come from from dominating those people that you don't like. Peter is telling us here, and David did as well, that the love of life comes from from developing and maintaining healthy relationships. That's where the love of life comes from, according to this passage, from developing and maintaining healthy relationships based in the principles that God gives us. And this is a benefit that we can experience in the here and now. It's a benefit that can happen within the community of believers where there's a common desire to walk according to the relationship principles of Scripture. But there's a benefit here as well for the future. Healthy relationships are evidence of reliance upon the Spirit of God. And those who know the Lord and have depended upon Him in this life will be rewarded in eternity. Now, I just want to make a couple of applications here for us today. First one is this. Healthy relationships are evidence of God's presence in the life and community of believers. Healthy or maintaining healthy relationships among believers, that takes work. In verse 11, as we read earlier, it says this, they must seek peace and pursue it. We need to pursue it. We we need to seek it. This tells us we can't be indifferent or passive when it comes to being at peace with other believers. Matthew 5, Jesus says this, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. This takes work. This takes effort. This takes intentionality. But if we realize that there's an issue with a fellow believer, if God reveals that to us, we need to do all that we can to make it right. And this takes, this takes incredible humility. This requires us to go to that individual and ask for forgiveness when God has shown us that, that we've wronged or offended another follower of Christ. Now, these things aren't necessarily easy to do. They're hard. 
But when we do them right, when we do them right, the result is healthy relationships, and that's what God calls us to. So if even this morning, even today, you're sensing that, you know, God is saying, hey, there's something that you need to make right. Go and do that. Go and make that right with this individual. Go and take care of, of that as soon as God gives you the opportunity. We're called to have healthier relationships. And so we need to be intentional about that. Here's just another application. Healthy relationships are a witness to the world. Uh, in addition to all of what Peter said in his letter regarding healthy relationships, Jesus said this to his disciples. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. When Christians relate to one another in a healthy way, the world takes notice. Like-mindedness, compassion, love, humility, these are powerful and winsome, especially when so many other values and motivations can infiltrate the world's relationships. Healthy relationships is something everyone longs for, within the church as well as without. And so when followers of Jesus practice what Scripture teaches regarding relationships, and it works, the world takes notice. Our healthy relationships and the way that we live in community with one another and treat one another and, and are humble towards one another and support and encourage one another, this is a powerful witness to the world for Christ. Now, here's a third application that I want to make. God empowers His followers for healthy relationships. Now, if you've, as you've listened to this message this morning, as we've read from Peter's letter, you might be thinking, wow, all that sounds amazing, but that is so hard to do. And it's true. These principles are very hard to put into practice if we try and do them in our own strength. But here's something that we need to remember. If you've realized the need for Christ in your life and recognized Him as Lord, then the Spirit of God dwells within you. 1 Corinthians says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? So it's only by the Spirit of God that followers of Jesus receive the power to live as Peter has described. So that, that's significant for us, very significant. This means that as followers of Jesus, we need to spend time nurturing that relationship with God. We need to spend time in the Word of God. We need to spend time developing our relationship with God, sharing with Him, but also learning to listen to the Spirit of God. That is so important. That's the power. That's the power source for living according to the, the, the relationship guidelines that Peter has given us and that we see in all of Scripture. We need to be developing that relationship. Super important. So if you're feeling that you want to grow in this area, um, in fall we're planning on presenting the Hearing God seminar again. We've done that before. But this teaching can be very helpful in terms of developing your relationship with God and learning to hear Him and understand what God is saying to you and even, in, even living in obedience to that. So I'd really encourage you to come to that. Watch for the dates and come to that when you see it. Lastly, living with healthy relationships has a reward. We've talked a little bit about this already. But when you think about it, when there's misunderstanding, intention, and even fighting in our relationships, we really feel the pressure of that. That's stress. I mean, and so much stress can actually come in this life as a result of unhealthy relationships. It's not about work or whatever. It's about relationships. That's the greatest stress point I think that most of us feel. But when we trust in the power of the Spirit of God and strengthen our relationships by practicing biblical relationship principles, much of the relationship stress that we feel, I mean, that'll be gone. 
that could be taken care of when we live according to these, to these guidelines. And so living with healthy, stress-free relationships, this is an earthly benefit that we can all experience now. And there's a reward in following these things. But there's also an eternal reward. Living according to these relationship principles um, is not often practiced in the world that we live in. And those who do so may be seen as different and peculiar and possibly even strange. And interestingly enough, that's how the believers, which Peter wrote to, were viewed. They were strangers and aliens within the culture because they lived differently as a result of their faith. But there is a reward in store for all those who put their trust in Jesus and live differently. Peter's letter to the believers scattered across Asia reminded them of the eternal blessing that was in store for them. And that same reward, that same reward is in store for those of us who trust in Jesus even today. And so there's this eternal reward, a current reward, a reward we can experience now, but there's an, an eternal reward as well. And we need to keep that in mind. Father, I want to thank you that um, you love us, that you pursue us, that you sent Jesus, that we can know you because of him and the sacrifice that he gave on our behalf. I thank you for the challenge to live in um, a different way, a way of life that, that aligns with the principles that you've given us. And I thank you for that, that we can read and understand what it is that you've given us from your word. But I thank you that we don't have to do this alone. That we're empowered by the Spirit of God to walk in, in terms of these principles and live them out with one another. And so today, if there is someone who has been reminded of a relationship that needs to be made right, I pray that you would would convict of that, but that you would also empower and that they'd be able to go and that brother and brother, brother and sisters, um, that they might be able to make these things right because of what we see in your word and the empowerment of the Spirit of God. And I pray that as we um, seek to live in a way that pleases you, that we would be not only a, a testimony to ourselves and that we would enjoy and embrace those healthy relationships within the church, that we would also be a witness to the world empower us for that even today. And if there's some who have been um, suffering, and I know that there are, there are different ones within our congregation, within our family, who are in difficult places in terms of the, the pressure and hostility they might feel uh, even where, where they work or in their community, I pray that you would just strengthen them and empower them today. Give them that deep resource to reply to, with good for evil. And even in that way, to just be an incredible witness for you. Thank you for the promise that you're forming that character within us. And so I want to commit those individuals to you as well. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for your guidance. And thank you for the, the promise of empowering by the Holy Spirit to live in this way. We give you praise and thanks for what you've given us today. We ask all of this, committing ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.